0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agra. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God and Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip via Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sore Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 314, and we are reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 16, paragraphs 307 to 315. Chapter 16. The Most Holy Mary perceives the intentions of the demon to persecute the church. She implores the divine assistance before the throne of the Most High in heaven. She forewarns the apostles. St. James arrives in Spain to preach the gospel and is visited there by the Most Blessed Lady. 307. When Lucifer and the Infernal Chiefs, after the conversion of St. Paul, were plotting vengeance on the Most Holy Mary and the children of the Church, as described in the last chapter, they did not apprehend the knowledge of this great queen and mistress of the world penetrated into these obscure and profound abysses of hell, and extended to the most hidden secrets of their evil counsels. Thus deceived, the bloodthirsty dragons esteemed their victory and the full execution of their schemes against her and the disciples of her son as most certain. But from her retreat, the Blessed Mother, with the clearness of her heavenly science, knew of all their conferences and understood all the intrigues of these enemies of the light. She perceived all their aims and the means which they intended to use, their wrath against God and against her, and their mortal hatred against the apostles and the rest of the faithful. Although the most prudent lady was well aware that the demons could execute none of their fury without the permission of the Lord, yet as this conflict in mortal life is unavoidable, and as she knew the weakness of men, and there only too common ignorance of the demonical astuteness and malice intent on their perdition, she was filled with great solicitude and sorrow at the unanimous resolve of those jealous enemies for the destruction of the faithful. 308. In addition to this knowledge and to the charity directly drawn from the Lord, she was endowed with another kind of tireless activity, similar to that of the divinity, which continues without interruption as one pure act. The most diligent mother was ceaselessly actuated by her love and solicitude for the glory of the Most High, and the consolation and the protection of her children. At the same time, she pondered in her most chaste bosom upon the supernal mysteries, conferring the past with the present and both with the future and preparing for it with a more than human discretion and foresight. Her most ardent desire for the salvation of all the faithful and her maternal compassion for their labors and dangers compelled her to estimate all their tribulations and perils as her own and as far as her love was concerned. She desired to suffer them all herself, if possible, while the rest of the followers of Christ should labor in the church without molestation, meriting in joyful peace, grace, and life eternal for themselves, and leaving to her alone all sorrows and tribulations. Although this was not possible according to the equitable providence of God, yet we stand indebted to the Most Holy Mary for this extraordinary and wonderful token of love, and not unfrequently her anxious and restless love merits for us great blessings, which the omnipotent concedes, in order to satisfy her yearnings for our salvation. 309. She did not know on this occasion what, in particular, were the resolves of the hellish foes in their conferences, for she understood only in general that their fury was directed against her in a special manner. Divine providence concealed from her some of their designs in order that the triumph she would gain over hell might afterwards be so much the more glorious Nor was it necessary to prepare her for temptations and persecutions, as was conceded to other faithful, whom she so excelled in high and magnanimous spirits, and of whose trial and tribulations she had a clearer knowledge. According to her wont in all affairs, she resorted to prayer, consulting about them with God, in pursuance of the example and teaching of the Lord. For this purpose she retired, and prostrating herself in admirable reverence and fervor upon the ground, thus besought him. Three ten. Most High, Lord and Eternal God, holy and incomprehensible, here prostrate before Thee, Thy humble handmaid and vile wormlet of the earth, supplicating Thee, Eternal Father, through Thy only begotten Son and my Lord Jesus Christ, do not despise my petitions and sighs, which from my inmost soul I present to Thy immense charity, in union with that which, derived from the furnace of Thy own love, Thou hast communicated to Thy slave. In the name of all thy holy church, of the apostles, and thy faithful servants, I present to thee, O Lord, the sacrifice of the passion and death of thy only begotten, that of his sacramental body, the most acceptable petitions and prayers he offered to thee during the time of his mortal and passable life, the love with which he assumed flesh for the redemption of the world in my womb, his imprisonment there, and his rearing at my breast. All this I offer in order to be permitted to ask thee for that which thou seest in the desire of my heart. 3.11. During this prayer, the great queen was raised in divine ecstasy, in which she saw her only begotten at the right hand of the Eternal Father, asking him to concede his most blessed mother all her petitions, and representing to him that she was his true mother, entirely pleasing to the divinity and worthy of being received and heard in all her prayers. She saw also that the Eternal Father assented and was pleased with his request, and that, looking upon her, he said, Mary, my daughter, ascend higher. At this bidding, the Most High, an innumerable multitude of angels of different hierarchies, descended from heaven, who surrounded her and raised her from the earth, on which she lay prostrate. They then bore her up, body and soul, to the Empyrean heaven, and placed her before the throne of the Most Holy Trinity, which manifested itself to her by a most exalted, not intuitive, but imaginary vision. She prostrated herself before the throne and adored God in the three persons, with the most profound humility and reverence, at the same time thanking her divine Son for having presented her petition to the Eternal Father, and asking Him again to do so. The Divine Lord, at the right hand of His Father, acknowledging her as His most worthy Mother and the Queen of Heaven, would not forget the obedience He had shown her on earth. Luke 2.51. But in the presence of all the courtiers of heaven, renewed the acknowledgement of his filial obligations, and again presented to the Father the wishes and prayers of his most blessed mother. And the Eternal Father answered in these words, 3.12. My son, in whom my will finds the plenitude of satisfaction, my ears are attentive to clamors of thy mother, and my clemency is inclined toward all her desires and petitions. Then turning to the most blessed Mary, he said, My beloved daughter, chosen from myriads according to my pleasure, thou shalt be the instrument of my omnipotence and the treasure of my love. Let thy anxiety rest, and tell me, my daughter, what thou askest. For toward thy desires and petitions which are holy in my eyes, my will inclines. Thus favored the blessed Mary, answered, My eternal Father and most high God, who art the author and preserver of the whole world thy holy church, and the object of my solicitude and prayer. Remember in thy kindness that it is the work of thy only begotten, who became man and acquired and planted it by his own blood. Acts 20.28 Anew the infernal dragon and all the enemies, his allies, are raising up against it, and are attempting the ruin and perdition of all thy faithful, who are the fruit of thy redemption of thy son. Confound the evil counsels of the ancient serpent, and defend the servants, the apostles, and the other faithful of the church in order that they may be freed from the attacks and fury of these enemies. Let them all direct their assaults against me, if possible. I, my Lord, am only one poor creature, and thy servants are many. Let them enjoy thy favors and thy peace, by which they advance thy exaltation and glory. And let me suffer the tribulations which threaten them. Let me battle against thy enemies, and thou, by the power of thy arm, shalt overcome and confound their malice. 3.13 My spouse and my beloved, answered the Eternal Father, thy desires are acceptable in my eyes, and I will grant thy petition as far as is possible. I shall defend my servants in what is proper and conducive to my glory, and permit them to suffer in what is necessary for their crown. In order that thou mayest understand the secrets of my wisdom by which these mysteries are to be fulfilled, I wish to raise thee to my throne, where thy ardent charity merits thee a place in the consistory of our great councils, in the participation of our divine attributes. Come, my beloved, and thou shalt understand our secrets for the government of the church, its increase and in progress, and thou shalt follow thy will, which is ours, now about to be manifested to thee. By the force of these most sweet words, Mary felt herself raised to the throne of the divinity, and placed at the right hand of her son to the admiration and joy of all the blessed, who recognized the voice and the will of the Almighty. And truly it was wonderful and new to all the angels and saints to see a woman in mortal flesh, called and elevated to the throne and council of the Most Blessed Trinity, in order to be informed of the mysteries hidden to the rest, and enshrined in the bosom of God for the government of the Church. 3.14 It would seem astounding if, in some city of this world, some woman were called to the councils of the government and still more surprising to introduce her into the select and close circles where the more difficult, the more important matters of the whole government are discussed and transacted. Such a course would, of right, seem hazardous, since Solomon says that in seeking truth and reason among men, he found but one out of a thousand who followed it and among women not one, on account of their natural frailty. There are so few of them who possess constancy and integrity of judgment, that ordinarily it is presumed in none. And if there are any, they are scarcely capable of managing affairs that are difficult of understanding, and require deep insight, unless they are aided by other light, beyond the ordinary and natural. This common law did not extend to our great queen and lady." For if, on the one hand, our Mother Eve, in her ignorance, began by destroying the palace of this world built by God, on the other hand, the Most Blessed Mary, who was most wise and the Mother of Wisdom, rebuilt it, and restored it by her peerless prudence. And therefore she was worthy to enter into the councils of the Most Holy Trinity, where its restoration was to be planned. 3.15. There she was again asked what favor she requested and desired for herself and for the whole church, in particular for the apostles and disciples of the Lord. The most prudent mother repeated her most fervent desires for the glory and exaltation of God's holy name and for the restriction of the persecution designed by the enemies of the Lord against the faithful. Although the three persons of the most holy trinity well knew all her desires, yet they commanded the great lady to propose them in order to elicit their approbation and delight and in order to make her more capable of new mysteries of their divine wisdom and the predestination of the elect. To explain what has been shown me of this sacrament, I will say that because the will of the Most Holy Mary was most just, holy, and in all things pleasing and conformable to the Most Blessed Trinity, it seems, according to our way of understanding such things, God could not will anything contrary to this Most Pure Lady, for he was bent in the direction of her holiness, and was wounded by the hair and eyes of so beloved a spouse. Canticle Nine And one so singular among all creatures, and since the father looked upon her as his daughter, the son as his mother, and the Holy Ghost as his spouse, and since all three had entrusted to her the church in fullest confidence, therefore the three persons did not wish to decree the execution of anything without, as it were, consulting the wisdom and the pleasure of the queen of all creation. This concludes our reading today for day number 314. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 307 to 315. In our reading today, Mary is aware of what the devil or what the demons wish to do to persecute the church. And so this moves her to prayer. This moves her to intercede on behalf of the church. We heard in our final paragraph today, there she was again asking what favors she requested and desired for herself and for the whole church, in particular for the apostles and disciples of the Lord. The most prudent mother repeated her most fervent desires for the glory and exaltation of God's holy name and for restriction of the persecution designed by the enemies of the Lord against the faithful. I think so often in our intercessory prayer we might be so focused on ourselves or our immediate circle But I think what the intercession of Our Lady is teaching us here in this moment is to be aware of how we can pray for more global intentions. How we should pray for the church, pray for the apostles, pray for the glory and exaltation of God's holy name. Well, that's done especially as Christ is proclaimed, as Christ is preached. So pray for those who preach the word of God. Pray for the openness of God's holy people to receive the words of God through sacred scripture, but also to receive the preaching that they hear. An open heart with open ears receptive to allow these words to call them to a greater conversion of life for the glory of God's holy name, and for the restriction of persecution designed by the enemies of the Lord against the faithful. There are Christians, there are believers, who still are being persecuted to this very day. It's a reminder to us to pray for the persecuted Christians. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.